0: Um, UMGoBlue.com, by fans, for fans, since
1: 1999.
0: Hello, welcome to this edition of the um, UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And we're here to talk about Michigan's 59-0 thumping of UConn. Michigan ends the non-conference stretch 3-0, heading into Big Ten play versus Maryland. Clint, what did you think about the game versus UConn? Well,
2: it was the third time in a row Michigan really hammered uh, a less than stellar opponent, right? We know the three teams to open up Michigan's schedule here are lesser teams uh, at the bottom of FBS football, so um, Michigan has at least taken care of business the way that they should be. The offense scores over 50 points all three games, and the defense shut uh both of the first two games out uh, in the first halves and then finished uh, the full game shutout this week against UConn. So um, it, it was what we expected to be, and uh, that's a good thing. Sometimes you play a lesser opponent and you don't play well, and that's more um, worrying. So uh, it, it was it was fun to see a lot of guys get in the game. It's fun to see some of the younger kids get an opportunity to play. We had uh, Omar and Walker uh, again in this game. Getting uh getting some valuable experience at the end of the at the end of the game, so I I like seeing that stuff uh from you know from a coaching standpoint, but uh, from a fan standpoint, I am uh, I'm certainly ready to get going on the the Big Ten season.
0: It was interesting. Blake Corum addressed that in the post game press conference. You know you can only you can only play your schedule. You know mm-hmm. it's like we treat every game like it's a championship game. I think I said that before. So like we're just playing the schedule. You know we're having fun. We're out there balling. From a fan standpoint, this game was really rough to watch. It was great to see over 100 guys participate. It was great to see Michigan really come out and empty the benches, give a lot of guys a chance to participate and and get some live reps. But I really had the sense watching this that this game really, really was rough. Right? It just... I, you know, uh, again, it's 59 to nothing. Michigan scored 17 points in the first quarter, 21 points in the second quarter, seven points in the third quarter, and 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, UConn never really threatened in, in any substantial way. And you really had that sense really from the first quarter that this was, you know, a, glor- a glorified scrimmage. And, and I don't say, I don't mean that as any slight to UConn. They definitely put in an effort, but the skill level just wasn't there for them to threaten Michigan. And I really wonder, looking at this, you know, in the post game, you know, Harbaugh said all the right things.
3: We'll find out, right? You know, <clears throat> um, and we, we definitely come out of this one with some some things to work on as well. Uh, but just the, just the improvement, uh, seen at so many different different areas of our of our team uh, even from game one to game three um, guys that are I mean they're hungry to play starters backups uh, you know guys on on the third string you know scratching and claw and uh, you know fighting to to uh, to get better and to play and, and contribute it's it's a fun team to coach you know when you guys as many guys that have done that and have really trained themselves to uh, to be where they are. I mean, it's a. I think you'd probably agree it's a good-looking team. I mean, that's that's come from from uh, really training and um, and working at it and just so many, you know, so many guys on the team. 101 play today, and um, you know, it's, it's fun to go every day. The day-to-day for me is really good when you're around that many. That many players that uh, where you gotta you gotta pull them back. I really do. I, you don't have to ever talk them into anything. I mean, you do have to pull them back from time to time. It's it's cool. You know, we'll try to keep it going.
0: The players said all the right things. Defensive lineman Chris Jenkins.
4: Uh, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing. Our coaches have uh, told us uh, no matter the no matter the team, no matter the opponent, uh, give them their best. Give them a hundred percent. Because um, you don't, you never want to underestimate a team, or, or in the case, give them your best, because in that case, you're setting yourself up for failure. And um, we've seen occasions like that happening this season and in the past, so we don't want to turn out like that. We always want to come with our best and figure out stuff to work on. I really sense
0: that um, the next game is going to be uh, you know, kind of an eye-opener as far as an upgrade in talent. And, and i hope that they can they can remain they, you know they can stay focused you know the the thing that was really um troubling about this game is as much as you know we love jj McCarthy and he's doing great it was unfortunate to see cade McNamara be injured in kind of a meaningless game
3: yeah cade cade uh, unfortunately yes yeah, is uh i think his foot was caught in the ground and got hit by, hit from the side of the uh, leg and probably going to be out for a few weeks not going to be a season ending thing i don't i don't think but uh he'll, he'll miss he'll miss some time
0: again just just unfortunate because we go from rolling two quarterbacks to um Kate is definitely out for a few weeks you know per jim harbaugh and now we just have jj which is which is fine but again you know you um if anything happens to him, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you have some, you have some issues. So, again, you just don't like to see any kind of injury in kind of a, you know, a, a game like this that it is a glorified scrimmage. And you lost, uh, you know, speaking of Cade, you know, what a fall. You know, you go from two weeks ago being the starter to the backup to being injured. And, you know, you, you got to feel for what he's going through uh, as a player right now.
2: Yeah, and I, I would add that it it's concerning the, the, the protection breakdowns that led to that um, that particular hit that had Kate, uh injuring an ankle, right? So it, it's happened a couple times over the last few games, again, against opponents that are not the caliber of, of who this team needs to be to reach their goals. So um, definitely have to keep an eye on the pass protection going forward. J.J. McCarthy – uh, is a little bit more capable of escaping a rush uh, with his feet. and, and maybe that will um, maybe that'll work to his benefit, but certainly, uh, we can't be giving um, you know free passes, direct line rushes uh, against your your quarterback in the pocket that way. So uh, it, it's it's a level of concern. Um, and like you said personally, for, for Cade McNamara, certainly it's um, uh, another disappointment. So I was glad to hear that it's something that he'll bounce back from, uh, you know, sometime this season. And, and I maintain that we're we're going to need Cade McNamara at some point um, through this season. So, um, you know, hoping that his recovery uh, is, is quick and um, all, all the best wishes for, for Cade McNamara. And um, like I said, we will be leaning on him and his leadership. Uh, once he returns to the to the sidelines, coming up soon.
0: So it's interesting, you know, we got to see JJ for extended time again in this game.
3: He's always been pretty accurate. I mean, he's uh, he's got the ability to make every throw. I think you probably have all noticed that. Uh, yeah, but when you have a, a whole year in, this, in a system, you know, you're better in a system six months after you're in it and even more after a year and then you know a year and a half now it's just um, yeah, that's that's uh, probably look up any quarterback you know at any level and and understand that uh, you know they get they get better you know and um, but he was really good to start with too uh, I don't take any take that away from him. he's really talented and uh, means a lot to him and got a great bunch of receivers to to uh, throw to, I mean, uh, all, all really, all really playing well, and I mean, I'm getting texts and from them, and you know, they're lobbying, they're all lobbying to, to get the ball and <clears throat> lobbying the, the quarterbacks and, and other coaches. Uh, you know, they're it's a hungry group. They they want the they want the ball, and they they're, they're playing extremely well at, in the receiver group
0: if there's any flaw in his game that I can detect at this point, it's that he's extremely mobile. He's extremely fast. And yet there were a few times that he relied on that and was caught and was pressured. And then of course there are the times that he escaped and and makes a great play. But I think, and again, this is just, you know, in limited action, uh, everybody's going to be fast. Okay. He's going to be going up against guys who are significantly faster. And I think that he's going to need to, uh, scale his game accordingly. Uh, again, it's, as you mentioned, it's really disconcerting to see how the offensive line in these first three games will just look really bad, um, for, for some ser- for a few plays. And, you know, it, it, Unfortunately, it happened with Cade, you know, uh, obviously on the play that he got hurt and a couple times last week as well. So it, it's just uh, it's a weird thing. Uh, Michigan is going to need to have a very stout offensive line, no matter who is, is back at quarterback. And again, you know, when you look at the, the quality of the opponents these first three games, you, and again you can look at the scores and just be really excited and you know wow michigan is amazing right you know they ended this third game this three game stretch on a on a shutout which um you know chris jenkins said that was one of the things that they were shooting for in every game
4: i feel i feel like we're ready i feel like we're in a good spot but like i said I, there's still stuff to work on we're not perfect yet and um that's really what we're shooting for perfection so the quicker the sooner we could get to that the better Mm -hmm. Um, I think we know that we're in a a good spot right now, but we still got a lot of stuff to work on. Um, As the season continues and the schedule continues to get harder, we know there's still stuff to work on all across the board. So we're in a good position right now, but like I said, we still got stuff to build on. Um, I like our intensity. Um, I like the juice we bring to the game on all aspects. I like how we're able to stop the run. Um, that's one of our biggest things, canceling the run, so we can um, be able to do more stuff on pass and open that up. Um, but I think, like I said, we need to we need to really work on a lot of our keys, getting it set up quicker, um, just um, on all phases, staying on top of that.
0: You know, hey, I'd much rather be three and zero uh, and coming off three blowouts and trying to find chinks in the armor. But I do see, you know, I do have some concerns. And, frankly, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to see Saturday. Um, you know, but but back to the game versus UConn, what I was really surprised by, you know, looking at the stats, is that as dominant as Michigan was, um, you know, no rushers went over 100 yards. So, again, uh, the ball got distributed to a number of guys. We got we got to see a number of of. Different guys at the quarterback position, you know, good for them. Again, to get to see some live reps. Um, And, you know, J.J. ended 15 for 18 with 214 yards. Um, You know, got sacked once, which we talked about a little bit. Uh, And, again, it's, you know, you look at it. uh, Ronnie Bell had another great game, seven catches for 96 yards. And uh, A.J. Henning, you know, was the second leading receiver, four for 37 Um, And again, just, you know, you saw Michigan executing on all aspects of the game. You saw the offense, which, you know, and again, it's hard. I feel weird saying this, but yeah, we won 59 to nothing, but I thought the offense was a little rough at times. It didn't seem to be executing as cleanly as it did the week before. Um, But you saw the offense executing, the defense executing. You can't say anything bad about a defense that pitches a shutout. And you saw special teams. So, again, you you see, you know, uh, Harbaugh likes to talk about, you know, all three aspects working together. Well, you you definitely have it. So, um, again, it's, you know, it's interesting uh, in the postgame, Harbaugh actually, uh, you know, said that this team reminds him of kind of the glory days of Michigan football.
3: Yeah, I like like the team a lot. Good friend of mine, Jay Norlinger, who I uh, grew, grew up with, was always on the same baseball teams and, and things like that. We've always remained friends. Got a great—he's got a great, he's got a great way, way with words, always has. Uh, writer for the National Review, editor, senior editor, etc cetera. Uh, sent me a great text this week, and it really resonated with me. He Said he um, just can't wait to watch Michigan football, and it—it uh, it reminds him of the days of Rick Leach and Harlan Huckleby and. Anthony Carter, and uh, that's the way he feels about this team, and uh, I do as well. I got that same feeling about this team.
0: Clint, we talked about this as as last season built. We were hoping and sensing that the program was taking a turn and ascending, right? Like, it wasn't just a great season, it was a culture that was growing, it was a way of performing, a way of understanding that the Big Ten championship was just one stop on uh, an ascension to the college football playoffs and an expectation that, you know, the national championships are what we're aiming for. And you do get a sense watching um, these games and listening to the players that that right now that's what we're seeing. And hopefully, you know, that ascension will continue.
3: They attack everything they do. Um and there's been zero entitlement out of this group. I know I've said that before, um, and I don't see any, any on the horizon. Um, yeah, great bunch of guys that way. I mean, uh, I'm sure, the sure they'll do continue to do what they've been doing and move on uh, to next week with humble hearts and you know, big all capitals onward.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned special teams. I thought. Uh, that was the next thing that I was going to say. That was encouraging. In the second week, uh, the the special teams didn't seem to be as sharp as normal. They they were fine. They were they were average or better than average. But our special teams unit has uh, typically been, you know, one of the best in the nation, uh, both kicking, punting, and the return teams. Um, over the last few seasons, especially under Jay Harbaugh, once he's taken over the special teams coordinator. So it was, it was encouraging to see not only uh, block a punt and, uh, and get a return and start in plus territory and eventually cash that in for a touchdown, but also A.J. Henning picking a ball up and returning it 61 yards for a touchdown. That's the first return putt for a touchdown since 2018, which um, seems like a long time. That that seems like a long time ago that we saw Donovan Peoples Jones return a touchdown uh, on a punt return. So that is certainly a, a positive thing. That is um, again a little bit uh, a little bit of a statement uh, uh, on your opponent. But I I'm am, am comfortable with with what we've seen. You know, one blip on the radar where a game uh, you know kind of dipped down in performance uh, to come back so emphatically and make two really huge game altering plays by blocking a punt and returning one for a touchdown. That's really great to see. And, and Brian Robbins also, the punter was, was back to his, uh, his really great form and uh, was kicking the ball over 50 yards um, after having kind of an off week against Hawaii. So uh, chalk it up to maybe some night game weirdness uh, a couple weeks ago against Hawaii. And I, uh, especially with the rain delay, and uh, at least from the special team standpoint, Jay Harbaugh had had those guys bounce back and and really looked in top
0: form again against UConn. On the defensive side of the ball, Junior Colson led with five tackles. Chris Jenkins also had five tackles. Braden McGregor had four, and Michael Barrett had four. So, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about Jay Harbaugh, during his tenure here, there have been questions about um, how good of a coach he is, right? And, again, because you, you do have to – you can't ignore that, you know, he shares the last name with the head coach. But the reality is is that special teams have been really good. Um, he's definitely made his mark. And one of the things that I think back to, the one of the times I noticed John Harbaugh before he became a head coach was – when he was a special teams coach in the NFL, I you know I was watching a few NFL games and saw some some really nice special teams play, and noticed oh John Harbaugh a special teams coach, so it'll be interesting to me. You know Jay has spent uh, a little bit of time with the Ravens before coming to Michigan, and he has gone through many coaching positions here. The, you know rotating. I I wonder if. Uh, if, you know, being the special teams coordinator and doing so well is, is his last stop before he goes on to be a head coach somewhere or, uh, you know, a coordinator at some level somewhere. So, again, you know, it's great to see him executing well. The players speak very highly of him. And most importantly, the play shows it. So it's good to see that. And, and again, it, it's it's great to be 3-0, and you know, and trying to find – things to be concerned about um you know I think one thing that I you know and again we we don't have the ability to time people um it it still seems to me that Blake Corum is a great runner but he he seems at just a touch slower than last year to me he doesn't seem to be he doesn't seem to have the explosiveness and the elusiveness that he had last year um you know we will see that moving on through the season, but just my eye test says that to me when I'm watching them. Um, so, again, you know, they made a point of saying that he put on 10 or 11 pounds in the offseason, so, um, you know, he may uh, have traded up for power and lost just a touch of speed, but still a great runner in the backfield for Michigan, and, again, the defense, you know, how do you criticize a defense when they pitch a shutout? I mean, I think that's, you know, but, but I – I just had a, I don't want to say a bad feeling, but I, you know, watching the game, it just didn't feel like it was a very good test. I think uh, I would have seen, and, and it was interesting in the uh, in the press conferences this week. Um, they were comparing this schedule to a few years ago when um, Michigan was playing Army, right? And I think back yeah. to that game that ended on, you know, very close game ended on a call that went Michigan's way. And as much as I didn't like to see how close that game was, I thought Army was a much better test for the season than any of these three games. So again, you got to play the schedule you have, and um, when you make the schedule, you know uh, years in advance, you don't you don't know exactly how well teams are going to be, uh, you know, playing. But again, just you know, it's I don't know how much you can take from this three and O. I would much rather be three and zero, but again, I, I don't. I think uh, the test we're going to see next week and then the following week versus Iowa is is going to be much much more interesting and, and a real good gauge of of where we are in development.
2: Yeah, and you, you never want to take any any game for granted. I think that's a, a lesson we've learned in the past. You know, you just have to look even this season at uh, at Notre Dame. Right, started the season out in Columbus against Ohio State, and uh, had a had a pretty good game, had a chance to win that game on the road against Ohio State, and was probably feeling pretty good about themselves even at 0 and 1, uh, and and then lost to Marshall at home, um, and was 0 and 2, and then really struggled with Cal, uh, who, who's not really a powerhouse even out of the Pac 12. So you know Notre Dame sitting at 1 and 2 after being ranked uh, in the top 10 in the preseason. And uh, there's no doubt that I'll I'll take our, you know, 50-plus three times against three cupcakes over that. Um, But this team is still, I would say, untested. And uh, I'm sure that they know that.
4: I don't don't know how good we are. I feel like we look good, but we, we haven't faced no adversity yet. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I really don't know how good we're going to be. I feel it. I feel like we're going to be great, you know what I'm saying? But um, I, I can't tell you. But I'll tell you uh, by the look of things, the sky's the limit for this offense.
2: I'm I'm sure that the leaders on this team um, will be ready when 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 adversity hits. Uh, again, it was this time last year, the Big Ten opener, fourth week of the season against uh, Rutgers at home, when uh, there was some level of adversity that, that Michigan had to get through in 2021. So, it's kind of the reason that I've circled this uh, Big Ten opener a little bit uh, to keep an eye on. Certainly a better test for the defense uh, against a very talented uh, wide receiver core coming in. But, again, Michigan did did what was necessary uh, against UConn, and you can't fault them. They don't make the schedule right, the athletic department does. And uh, remember, Ward Manuel came from UConn before he worked for Michigan, so I, I'm sure that this game um, – is on the schedule as part of that shift as well. It's just, it's not something that this particular staff or the players have anything to do with. You just go out there and play to the best of your ability. So so here we are. And I, one other follow-up um, on the running backs, uh, it is also of note, right, that um, Donovan Edwards is working through uh, some type of physical limitation, some type of injury. So with that, um, that kind of squeeze on your depth at running back, um, I, I would imagine that there's a, you know they were a little bit more careful with Blake quorum in this game. you know he scores a lot of one yard touchdowns and uh, you know ties Hassan Haskins record for touchdowns in a game from last year's Ohio State game. Uh, Blake Quorum has a great game, but uh, certainly they they weren't going to ride him and, and we got to see CJ Stokes really uh, get get a larger share of the workload in this game than, than we probably would have, obviously, if uh, if Donovan Edwards was in. So you got to keep an eye on that. Um, again, the Maryland game last year was Donovan Edwards' breakout game, So we'll see if he's back this week. But if not, I thought that we saw a, a lot of good things from C.J. Stokes as well uh, running the, um, through the middle of the field. So good sign for Michigan's running back room both uh, for this season and uh, you know with CJ Stokes being a freshman uh, the future looks bright as well
0: and the point with Donovan Edwards is I got the impression that he was working through things and you know knowing that this game wasn't going to be a stiff challenge that there was really no uh, drive to have him be available right you know they mm. didn't need him in this game so why not give him uh, another, another week to kind of heal up from whatever issue he was having. Now, um, you know, I, I kind of looked at JJ and, and made an assessment of, of some of the things that I've seen that, you know, he may be vulnerable. Now, other thing is, um, first, he made some incredible throws. And I think when you go back and, and look at the tape, y- you can definitely see that he has amazing tools as a, you know, physical specimen at quarterback, right? And um, can definitely do things that I don't think any other quarterback on the roster can do. But what really impressed me and and has impressed me is that, you know, uh, they made him available to talk to the media, uh, you know, week before last. And he also talked to the media after this game. And he he just, he has an enthusiasm that's infectious. Quarterback, J.J. McCarthy.
1: We're always competing with ourselves. And no matter who we're playing or when we're playing, we're always just going to go out there and be try, try to be the best version of ourselves every single week. And, um, yeah, just like every single game it's like going out there and playing like you were in first grade again, fifth grade, just playing football and just having a great time. And of course we want to excel at it. So we just keep emphasizing getting better every single week and being the best versions of ourselves.
0: He has a a really good head on his shoulders, you know, and you, you throw that around a lot. One of the things that you really um, appreciate when JJ comes up is that he just seems like he's loving every minute of it, right? Like, um, he, he's, uh, enthusiastic. And for example, um, uh, they were arranging the interview room after the game and, you know, Blake is a regular visitor. Okay. And Blake will come in and he's very comfortable and he likes talking to media and, you know, he, he's good at it. Right. So he's sitting there and they said, well, hold on, we're going to have another player join you. And JJ comes in. And kind of as an aside, JJ looks over at him and says, this is what
1: it's like. <laughs> right.
0: Excited to be there, excited to talk. And, and it was funny, you kind of got the impression that, you know, Blake had been coaching him up of on what it was going to be like, you know, to go from, you know, a few dozen media at the availability to an entire room, you know, wanting to throw questions at him. And he, he did great. You know, he's just again very well spoken. And you know, you and I being alums, you know, we evaluate these guys differently. It's not just how they how good they are as football players, but how polished they are, right? Are are you proud to say this person goes to U of M? You know, is this somebody that you'd want to run into campus on campus and be impressed by? And JJ is that. Not only is he a really good athlete. Um, and, and I want to be clear, a lot of the, most of the guys who come and talk and availability are very well-spoken, but you can kind of see where as Cade has a very direct and a very intense manner, um, you can see how JJ is, is just fun, right? Just, Hey guys, let's go. And again, it's just interesting to see the two personalities play out and, um, you know, not only, it, it's easy to see how great J.J. looks on the field, but the way that he deals with his teammates and the way that he deals with the media and, and even, you know, you see him signing autographs for kids after the game outside. He just, he seems like he's in a really good place and, and uh, again, is is well prepared for the spotlight.
1: I'm going to do the same thing that Kay would do. Do everything I possibly can to win football games for this program. Work my butt off every single day. Be prepared as much as possible, and uh, yeah, I mean, play my heart out every single week.
2: Yeah, and you hope that continues, obviously, and I'm sure that it will. And, and there's a lot of success in JJ's future. Um, but just like just like the team, I would say the same. Um, the same applies for for him. Is we'll win a little bit more in the face of adversity. You know, those those post games get a little bit tougher when you didn't play maybe your best, which is, is bound to happen, right? He's not going to have these, uh, these sparkling performances every single time out. I I mean, I certainly hope that he does, but um, that's not really a reasonable expectation. So when, when the going gets tough and he's got to be the guy sitting there taking some, some tougher questions and giving some tougher answers, then, then we'll learn a little bit more. And I expect him to be, you know, absolutely, you know, uh stellar in those situations as well. You know, from what we've seen, um, I, I think that JJ is really exhibits a lot of the leadership traits that uh that you have to have to be uh, a really special player and a leader and a quarterback for, for this for this team. So um but it, it still hasn't happened yet. Um I, I think that he'll be fine. Um but it will be interesting to see how he handles the spotlight, uh, when there's a little bit more criticism coming his way right now where we're, we're still in a little bit of the honeymoon phase coming out of the quarterback competition.
0: He did talk about how uh, his mindset heading into games, how he focuses.
1: Yeah, the meditation, uh, I, I do it every single day, twice a day, and uh, but before the game, it it's just just super just all about getting into that present moment and finding that flow. And I wake up, I'll meditate for 30 minutes, and then, as everyone sees out by the field goal post, I'll meditate for 10 more minutes, just as that quick tune-up to really just make sure that I'm completely present and in the moment. So that, that is, like especially on game day, is a huge focus for me.
0: And how he, you know, the context of the question was, well, how do you get ready for the next game? How do you, how do you ignore this challenge and get ready for the next challenge?
1: the the fact of whatever happened that last game you have to put in the past you have to forget about it it's a new week new process new preparation so definitely definitely that just being able to accept what happened whether it's good or bad and sometimes with those good games you want to hold on to them throughout the week and all that but no you can't you got to throw it in the ocean you got to move on next week
0: to be clear it's much easier to talk about doing this than actually doing it Clint, you and I know that, right? That it's easy to talk a good game, but like as you said, you know, at some point, you know, he is going to make a mistake. At some point, it will be a tougher challenge. At some point, he will be criticized. But it seems like that he has a framework for how how to deal with that. Now, executing it is different. But again, for I, I got I just have to say how impressed I am for a young player that uh, you know how polished he is. So again, wish them all the best. Always wish all Michigan players the best, but um, you know, I, I was one of the people who, you know, on these podcasts just a few weeks ago uh, saying, Hey, let's hold the JJ train a little bit. You know, we have a really good quarterback in Cade and we do have a great quarterback in Cade. Okay. But I can see why there's an enthusiasm amongst the players on the team and, and the coaches, It's the infectious is the word, right? You know, there are guys who um, you root for and you want to follow, and I think that Cade is one kind of leader, and he definitely led the team last year. And as you said, um, we need to get him healthy because he is going to be needed this year. But you have two different leadership styles, and it's great to see, um, you know, an abundance, right? It's kind of like. Uh, you you have two good you know and Harbaugh said this repeatedly we have two starting quarterbacks they each have different styles right now and it's interesting to see them play out and um, you know it's going to be interesting really to see how 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 tall the ceiling is on JJ right you know because he is going to get more polished he is going to make better decisions and again um, you know I think when we talk about this team, we had questions coming in and you know, this is the third game, it's the the quarter mark, right? I always like to look at the every three games, where are we? Um, you know, what did we expect to happen? Um, I fully expected Cade to still be the starter heading into Big 10 play. That obviously didn't happen because of the injury, but more important than that, you know, JJ outplayed him. Okay? So I think heading into the Big Ten play after our first quarter season, the first thing I was wrong on was that I expected Cade to still be quarterback. Um, you know, is there anything uh, – what things did you expect at this point uh, and what things are you right and maybe wrong about?
2: Yeah, I still thought that Cade would be starting at this point and um, that they would be enhancing the the package for J.J. specifically that he was going to get more snaps and, and do more. I, I didn't think that he would overwhelm and overtake the, the, the starting job the way that he has. So that's been a, a pleasant surprise. Cause again, Cade McNamara set a very high floor for the team uh, in terms of leadership and, and quarterback play. So if, if the, the worst that we could do was, you know, uh, one more year of, of Cade McNamara after last year, then J.J. was going to have to be better than that to, uh, to win the job. And so far what we've seen, you know, it's it's hard to believe that uh, he's not better than that. You know, he's performed better than, than what the average performance was last year for, for Cade McNamara. So that was a, a pleasant surprise, but still a surprise. Um, the, the offense, and I said this last week, the offense looks easier right now when J.J. is out there. Uh, it, it reminded me very much of when Cade McNamara took over for Joe Milton in 2020, where everything looked so hard for Joe Milton. It looked like, you know, the, the offense did not execute. There was always something that was a little bit off. And it never it, it didn't really seem like it was directly Joe Milton's fault, but it just looked like everybody had to try harder. And, and then when McNamara came in, all of a sudden it was like a click, and, and the ball just started jumping down the field. And now J.J. has kind of raised that bar again to when um, when Cade was on the field. The offense did fine and scored points, but it looked like they had to put in a certain amount of effort um, to try to keep it all together and, and and to maximize. And then when J.J. came in, not only did he make it look very easy, but everybody made it look very easy. Guys were just more open. Running plays seemed easier. And, and part of that, in my opinion – goes back oh, probably two or three seasons that we've been talking about, trying to add the the quarterback dimension to the run game. Back even when Shea Patterson was the quarterback, um, really trying to find uh, a, a, a viable quarterback run game dimension uh, yeah. to really account for that one more defender, right? So in, in a traditional run game, you, you hand the ball off and the quarterback now is is kind of dead. He's standing there. He's not doing anything to help the running back. Whereas with the read option um, that JJ has been running last year and now into this year, somebody has to account for him. He's, he's taking a defender with him. It's the equivalent of a block. So I think that some of the run game success also comes with, uh, you know, number nine, taking the snap because he, he is a run threat. Where, where Cade wasn't. So um, that clearly is going to stay central to the threat of, of what um, Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore are going to try to design, Is that they are going to make teams account for J.J. McCarthy's legs, even if he's only carrying the ball two, three, four times per half um, and not running it, you know, nearly like what we saw with uh, Denard Robinson with you know, sometimes an entire series would be um, all quarterback runs. So I don't expect to see that JJ's still kind of a pocket passer that can run, but this offense is going to utilize those, uh, those quarterback runs to put more pressure on defenses and, um, and with his ability as a passer, then um, it, it's really interesting to see how that develops as we get into the big 10 season.
0: So, Another couple things that I'm surprised by is I'm surprised that Eric All only has three receptions at this point. Now, in breaking down the tape, they were doing some interesting things with him in um, patterns and things. So I know he's still an integral part of the offense, even if he only has three receptions. Um, The other thing that I am surprised by is that at this point, Andrew Anthony only has one reception for five yards. And there were times last year that he flashed and really looked like he was going to be had the potential to be a feature receiver this year. So I am surprised that, you know, although he's played in all three games, he's only been targeted very few times. Um, and again, it, it's, you know, when you're scoring 50 plus points every game, it's, it's hard to be critical. But you do see that certain people are included in the game plans and and, you know, certain players aren't. So that that's a surprise to me, you know, heading in, and um, those are my thoughts on on the you know my expectations on the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, um, I've been really impressed by Mike Sainristel, and you know, whenever you have a player switch positions, uh, and again, we're going to talk in generalities, but often that doesn't that's not a good thing, right? Um, it, it's oh you know, you're not good enough to play as receiver, and here, we're going to find a place for you, but Mike Sandra still has been everywhere. He's just been a force on the defense, really, really impressed, and, you know, all through camp, um, coaches and players were raving about him, and, you know, he was elected a captain, and, and I was wondering if it was kind of a, hey, thanks for taking one for the team, and, you know, you're going to recede into the, uh, into the depth chart somewhere, but, uh, really impressed by, you know, players call him Mikey, but Mike Sanders still has been everywhere and a force and just, um, again, another really well-spoken guy, great representative of the program, and just what he's brought to the defense so far has been really impressive.
2: Yeah, I would echo that for sure on defense. Uh, another one uh, that I would mention on defense is uh, Michael Barrett playing inside linebacker, you know, the, the, the Viper position is what he was recruited to play. Um, really great athlete, high school quarterback, uh, special teams um, contributor uh, from the time that he stepped on on campus. And then when Don Brown um, left uh, a couple of years ago, when, when he was fired and, and Mike McDonald came in, <laughs> the same, uh, same position, he's kind of a, a fish out of water. Uh, in the new defensive scheme. But where they found a place for him at inside linebacker against a more spread and running quarterback teams, he's really stepped up this year, even above what we saw coming down the home stretch last year. And, and the schedule sets up in such a way that there's really – we don't have the same number of really power-running teams that would cause problems for Michael Barrett. Right, being an undersized linebacker. Probably Michigan State's offense uh, is one that he might see some limited snaps in that game, and then maybe Illinois um, in the 11th game is another one where we we would want to be really bigger at the linebacker position, but he has really shown that he's taken another step forward and, and really done a great job not only in coverage at the linebacker spot, but also becoming a pass rusher and stepping up and filling on, on inside runs. So I would, I would really echo what you said about Mikey Samer still, and I think uh, Michael Barrett uh, agree, uh, deserves the, the same kind of special mention. And then for me, also, the whole defensive line um, with, with all of our fears about how do you make up for Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo moving on to the NFL – To see all four positions up front, both edge positions and both internal guys, um, really everybody took a step forward. You mentioned Chris Jenkins leading the team in tackles this last game with five. Uh, Mozzie Smith has been absolutely dominant on the inside. Mike Morris has been absolutely dominant uh, and and unblockable sometimes. Anytime they're singled up on Mike Morris, he makes a big play. And then Braden McGregor is another name that really – I've got a lot of hope that he that he can really take a step forward and be an impact edge rusher. Um, it, it's tough because he drew so many comparisons to Aiden Hutchinson before, um, but this is really his first full season, really with with an opportunity to be an impact player. I would look back and compare what we see from Brady McGregor this year to perhaps what we saw out of Aiden Hutchinson as a sophomore in 2019. So if we're going to make that continue that comparison, I think that it's fine. Um but that's that's what we should be comparing is really second year Aiden Hutchinson from 2019. Um if we're going to look at what Braden McGregor does this year on the edge, so far I would say that he is that level of impactful um that if you if you take your eyes off of him, he's going to make a play and and uh, again, caveats apply for level of competition. We'll see how it goes in the Big Ten, but really, really impressed with uh, all four positions up front, and, and specifically those guys
0: that I named. So, Clint, if you could see my notes here, um, I was going to call out Braden McGregor as the player that pleasantly surprised me. That basically, um, you know, knew he was going to be in the rotation, you know, coming into the season, but really has been flying all over the place. And, you know, you look at his stats, and, you know, basically, you know, you go, well, he's got six overall tackles. But what's surprising me is how often he's that second or third guy in. I mean, he is flying all over the ball. And actually, when I looked up his stats, I was like, no, he's got to have more tackles than that. And it's just that he is... He is either making the play or right in on the play. Um, you know. Also, I wanted to to agree with you and point out that Chris Jenkins and Mike Morris have just been dominant, just just fierce players. And again, you know, you made the point about there was a lot of heartburn of how this defense was going to replace Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, but you know, and again, early season cupcake schedule, but you know. This team was saying, "Hey, listen, those guys were great, but they were also sucking up a lot of the plays last year. Um, they were showing how to prepare, showing how to break down tape. You know there's a lot in preparation besides the work besides the weight room. And the, you know, the players were saying, "Hey, we saw how they did it. We're ready." And you can look at the performance on the field, and again, you can only play the schedule you have. The schedule they've been playing, This defense looks good. So, um, again, you know, fingers crossed. you got to see what happens. You know, I I still think that it's going to be uh, a a stark difference when they come up against Maryland, you know, Big Ten talent. But this defense looks like it's poised to meet the challenge. And, you know, really excited about it. You know, you made a great point about Michael Barrett. Um, Again, you know, he was recruited to be a Viper. He kind of uh, took last year to retool and, you know, was used in a lot of run situations that, that you mentioned Clint, but uh, it was interesting because he's, you know, he's, he's one of the leaders in tackles right now. You know, junior Colson has 17, Michael Barrett second with 12 and Harbaugh kind of, uh, you know, actually said, he goes, I'm going to take a bow. He goes, when we recruited Michael Barrett, you know, you know, he was a quarterback, People didn't know how he was going to fit it on defense. He goes, "I had a vision for him," and you're seeing that vision now. So, all credit to the coaches who saw where he could fit, and you know, credit to Michael Barrett for, um, you know, uh, buckling it down and and learning the new position and doing what he needed to do to shift from one scheme to the next. Because you know, there were times early last season where I was like, "Gosh, what happened to Michael Barrett?" He kind of just disappeared, and again, there wasn't. You know, he wasn't well suited early in the season for what they were trying to do. And then he came on later, and now he's dominant. So, again, hats off to him and hats off to the coaches for, um, you know, Clint. So here we are at this quarter game checkpoint, right? Well, okay, we have the changes on the offensive and defensive side as far as the coaching goes, right? Um, You have Mike McNamara gone. Well, the defense looks like it's picked right up. Um, you have Josh Gattis gone, and the offense doesn't seem to have missed a beat. So as far as those two things, you know, I always talk about the dashboard of the car. Uh, I don't see any warning lights yet. And, you know, that's incredible to say when you, when you lost those two key pieces of the coaching staff last year. Um, the new coaches seem to have plugged in, and at least so far, things are, are looking good.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, but to measure, to really measure it, not only are they having success, which, which obviously is opponent dependent, um, things look smooth, right? The, the, the execution and the operations uh, have been smooth. Sometimes in the past, in the Harbaugh tenure at least, there's been some herky-jerky, uh, like strange timeouts that are needed because there's some discombobulation. Or, or miscommunication or, you know, we've always had the problem on offense with uh, too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes, right, where, where things didn't make sense and sometimes the running game doesn't complement the, the passing game. So we've been able to pick up problems um, with uh, the, the execution of the coaching staff in the past. And so far through three games this year, um, that is not the case. Things have looked very, very smooth. And well directed, well planned, um, and that that is a testament to new coordinators stepping into those positions, and uh, and also the players, um, because the, the the consistency that was provided by who stepped into those roles, right? Having Weiss and Sharon Moore on the staff last year and being promoted, so the players uh, you know are familiar with them already. That that helps smooth things out, and then obviously Jesse Mentor. Stepping in, uh, having a similar background to Mike McDonald, coming out of the Ravens organization, was a really a wise decision, I think hiring decision, to try to maintain some stability for the players and allow them to, to continue sharpening what was a good season last year and, and take a step forward. So all the way around, I would say very, very positive start. Uh, all caveats apply, but there, there's no reason to be any type of concerned right now Um, And and we should be excited heading into the Big Ten season against uh, some tougher opponents over the next three games. And we'll check in uh, uh, similar to this after six games. And we'll have three Big Ten games under our belt. And uh, we'll see if we're kind of singing the same tune. But right now, what I see seems that it it can be replicated, right? These are not uh, fluky blowout games. Um, it looks like the the system is rolling and, and the program is really um, clearly focused on taking the next step and competing not only for a Big Ten title, but trying to get back into that uh, college football playoff conversation.
0: So the question I have to look for over the next three games on defense is, I'm waiting for an opponent to attack this defense with tempo. And – you know, there were times last year that that was a question, and these first three opponents were not set up to do that. Okay, they were barely they were barely holding on with their fingernails. But when I'm breaking down the tape, Michigan has had a lot of time to to switch guys in and out, to reset. You know, between their three four and their four three. And and I think that's why when I'm watching this game, I'm like these games. I'm like, oh, this is a scrimmage. You know, they're they're letting you do this, right? And again, it's it's you know not that easy, but um, it'll be interesting with a Maryland offense that can do tempo. It that's how I would attack this defense, and I'm I'm interested to see, um, you know, how they how they combat that um, on the offensive side of the ball. Again, breaking down the tape. As good as our center has been, okay, our center has been outstanding. The um, the center guard gap has been vulnerable. The interior of the line has been vulnerable, okay? So, again, I, I think I would, uh, you know, the, the shortest line to the quarterback is right through there. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if Big Ten opponents over the next three games can... Um, exploit that to put pressure on JJ, right? To, uh, to basically gum up the running lines, you know, between the tackles and, you know, put pressure on them directly. Um, and, and again, if you go back and look to the breakdowns when Cade was in there, that's, that's one of the things that happened. And again, with lesser talent. So again, you know, there's going to be a lot of scheming and a lot of different uh, stunts that are going to be happening. And, when you add superior talent to to some of these schemes, I can see where um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Michigan does move and counter move to to handle that. Um, you know, head again and again. Excited to be three and zero. Excited for Big Ten play to start. And uh, as an aside, Iowa has started a countdown for the noon game uh, in two weeks on their website. And, uh, you know, Maryland first and then on to Iowa. So, really, you know, some, some interesting challenges coming up here.
2: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. I, I, again, I know that I've, I've beaten the drum on, on watch out for Maryland in this game. So, um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I certainly expect our defensive backs to, uh, to have a big game. Right. I think that they're going to get tested, and we know that, that Tungavailoa at Maryland is willing to push the ball into some uh, into covered guys and challenge his guys to try to make plays. So I, I think um, the number of turnovers in this coming game uh, will really tell us a lot. If we're not turning the ball over, then we could be in, be in trouble. But, um, you know, we'll see. The, the Michigan defensive backs against uh, Maryland's wide receivers – First really heavyweight matchup of the season, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.